Verse 7, if you remain standing just for a few more minutes for the reading of the word. And it reads there, verse 7, In crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. Lord, we thank you. And I ask, Lord, as we conclude this uh, journey, trying to understand the Holy Spirit, that that agent who, who Jesus said would come in his stead as he sits at the right hand of the Father, that Holy Spirit is the active agent that is on earth. It is no longer what would Jesus do, it's what will we do. And, and that's the work of, of the Holy Spirit, of allowing him to just engulf our lives. And we thank you for revealing that through these last times together. I ask that as we conclude this school of the Holy Spirit, that people would begin to move and take their rightful place. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and take your chairs. Pueden tomar sus sientos. Interesting scripture. And we have to understand because when people read that, and which is the natural tendency for most people, is they sort of disengage themselves from the reality of what you're supposed to do. So they look at that story, they say, wow, look what Jesus does. That's cool. But that's not why the story was put there. Uh, the story was put there as an example of what you're supposed to do. It's not something to entertain you. Jesus wrote this out and he did this whole process. You look at this whole book and we're going to go through Mark here. And what he was doing, he was training, or could I say he was looking for students to learn about him so that, they, that when he left, those students would remain. And he said, and do greater things than he. I was talking to an old-time uh, friend of mine from a different denomination. They're kind of leery on the gifts of the Spirit. And I told him, I told him hey, um, the Bible says that, that we're going to do greater things than Jesus. And he, goes, <gasps> he thought I was, you know, blasphemy, 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 hang them. You know, I go, what's wrong with you, dude? He goes, well, nobody can do greater things than Jesus. Well, if that's the case, then Jesus is a liar. Because he said that you will do greater things. And in fact, he says, all authority on heaven and earth I give to who? To you. When he says all authority, I don't know about you, but I, and I, you know, I'm not like a great English major. I didn't do real good in English in high school, but I kind of know what all means. <laughs> all authority. So, when, so it's clear if all authority is going to be given to us, it would be kind of idiotic to give us all authority if we weren't going to do anything with the authority. 
So the implication is clear. If he's going to give us all authority, that means he has something for you to do. Right? And see, Mark chapter 5, verse 7 is an example of, and one of many that says, this is what you're going to do. Hmm. See, what I want to do uh, also is expose the reality uh, that the enemy's forces are many. Right? So look, we can say like this, I'm here to take you to school. I'm going to school you. Huh? See, in particular, I want, you to want to show you the school that Jesus took his disciples. The same school is, is one which we all should attend. Uh, you could call it, some say, uh, some can, can wrap their, eye, their hands around the, aisle, the, the idea of the, the school of faith, and that's partly true. But I think it's bigger than that, although faith is huge. But when I'm saying bigger, I'm saying, I want to take you to the school of the Holy Spirit. I mean, when God asks, when I talk to God and when people talk to God, I ask the Holy Spirit to indwell me. God, you know, fill me, God. Okay, and that's a great statement, but why? Why should he fill you? To make you feel good? You don't need the Holy Spirit to fill feel you to feel good. You can go just go get high. You'll feel good for a little while. If all you want to do is feel good. See, the Holy Spirit's job is not to fill you so you can feel good. He's to fill you so that you can do good. Amen? Amen. Ah, so the prelude, if you look at the encounter here with Legion, and he says, we are many, he says, begin back in Mark chapter 3. Mark, if you look at the, the gospel of Mark, Mark is like a book of action, a, a book of works, of miracles. And when you Mark really, really emphasizes uh, the power of God. And so when you look at Mark chapter 3 and you see how he's, he's training and he actually took his disciples to this training mechanism. And it wasn't until Mark chapter 3 that he, he separated the 12 from the many. And he said, you guys are going to be apostles. But, and he goes, in fact, I got to pull you guys aside a little bit because I got all these people following me. And they're not, already, uh, they're not really ready for this. In fact, you guys ain't ready for it, but I got to deal with somebody. Got to work with what I got. So Mark chapter 3, verse 1, it says, describes when Jesus, rather, he healed a man of a shriveled hand against the religious rulers of the day. If you look at Mark 3, for the second time you have to go there. But this guy had a shriveled hand, and it was a Sabbath, and they're not supposed to do any work. They're supposed to just sit down and, I don't know, eat tortillas. I don't know what they did. They just did nothing. But Jesus took a guy who had a shriveled hand, and he healed it. The J Jesus knew his enemies wanted to kill him, and he needed to train his disciples' replacements. So he goes right to the, the religious folk, because religious folk don't like this kind of talk. And he said, let me take this guy who had a shiro hand, and he healed it. And they said, oh, you healed him. Who cares that, that they were doing God's work? He was more concerned, the religious folk are more concerned with how you do it than what you're doing. See, they, they, they were so blind by the method. Oh, you, you, you didn't have permission. Why did you do that? I didn't ask my wife. Or, you know, whatever the reason, amen? <laughs> and Jesus does it purposely. Why? Because he wants to break this. Because he needed to train some disciples who would move by the power of the Holy Ghost. Not under, under just false pretense. So he heals it on the wrong day. Now, I don't know about you, but if my hand was messed up, I don't care which day he would heal it. 
right? And so that's, he was breaking that religious spirit. Instead of seeing what God is doing, he said, oh, but you did it wrong. You didn't ask me. You have permission. And all these other things that get in the way. That's a very religious spirit. And Jesus said, we don't need religious folk. We need people led by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Holy Spirit. Amen? See, Jesus knew, knew that his enemy wanted to kill him, like I said earlier. So he had to train him. In verse 7, it says, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd followed him. And that's always the case. When God is moving, large, you could always get large crowds. Believe me, Victor Outreach, we know how to get large crowds. We've done plays. I did a play where I had like four people in the church, and we drew 4,000 people. Right? They thought we were this big, giant ministry. My office was my kitchen table. Amen? <laughs> we just did it. We know how to draw people. Because when you begin to do, show miracles and how God can do, crowds will come. Like, but, it, but it's tough rowing to make disciples. You can bring all kinds of people. But out of all those people, we're talking about thousands and thousands of people. Jesus says, well, at least I got 12. But he, Jesus understood this. And in verse 9 of Mark 3, he said, because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed many, so that those with disease were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the evil spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell who he was. So all this was happening. Everywhere he went, demons were just popping left and right. And like I've always said, the demons, where, where do you think those demons went? You know, I always say this. The demons, listen, they did not leave the planet. When Jesus came, the world was possessed. And these spirits, they may have left these bodies, but they're looking for people just like you. They're still here. Huh? So they're coming out, and now the men, the disciples, the one he was really working with, were watching him. They were just watching. The crowds, they didn't even trip off that. All they wanted was, heal me, touch me, feed me, oink, oink. You know, they, they, that's all. They were very selfish. And the only ones who were really paying attention were the disciples because they had different, different uh, motive behind following Jesus. And Jesus says, all these people just want stuff from me. Get me a boat because i gotta get out, I got to get out of here. And he figured a boat because they wouldn't be able to catch him on the boat. Get me a boat, but you 12, you guys stay with me. And all this is taking place. now. That, and again, Jesus is taking his disciples to the school of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Verse 13, Jesus went up to the mountainside and called to him those he wanted. Mm. Many are called, but few are chosen. And they came to him. He appointed 12, designating them apostles. Now notice why he gave them this authority. That they might be with him, first of all. Then that, they may, that he might send them out to preach and that they would have authority to drive out demons. Now, take that. Okay, he sent them out. He wants them to do this, and they're his apostles. And he didn't give them all authority. He just gave them a little bit of authority. It wasn't until later that he gave us, gave who all authority? Who? Us. So if he gives us all authority, and if you receive all authority, then it stands to reason that you have an unquenchable desire to be with him. If you don't have that unquenchable desire to be with him, listen, my friend, you may not have received the authority that you think you received. Because when you get that type of, of authority and you get that type of touch and Jesus chooses you, you can't contain it. You have to be with Jesus. Nothing else satisfies you. I don't care what you do. You have to because something happened. I have a mission. 
I have a call. Why? Because you have that desire. He goes, I'm going to separate you. Why? Because that you might be with me. But here's a good part. It gets even better. <clears throat> that I might send you to preach. But I don't like to preach, Pastor. I'm kind of shy. I, I, I don't like to preach because, you know, I ain't got no education. Uh, I, you know, can I keep going on? There's a lot of reasons. But all those reasons don't mean a hill of beans when God calls you. Remember Moses? Moses had the same thing. He goes, I, I can't call. I can't do it. I don't know how to speak. Right? <laughs> But he still called Moses. You can have all the insecurities, all the faults, but if you've met the master, that's all that matters. And when you meet the masters, that's all you care about. See, if you don't meet the master, then you become religious. And then you begin to justify your existence based on your religion and how things are done. And, 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 and traditions and, and rules and regulations. Now, mind you, we have certain rules. We have certain regulations, especially if you're in the home. You have abundance of rules because you guys are crazy, and that's needed there. But once you come out, that's a different thing than the church. That's not, that's, the home is not the church. The home is the home. Yeah. Like I say, a day in the home is like a thousand years. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's tough. It's tough. But, but, but if you want to act like a knucklehead, that's what you get. Because now you got, we got to be taken out of here. But that's another message. Let me get back over here. Huh? But see, when you're walking with God, you don't need rules and regulations. Because God's spirit will move us all towards the right goal. So when I look at, you know, and I'm, we're part of Victory Arts International, and we have certain requirements, but, but it's not like, a, oh, man, a requirement. I, 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 we need that requirement to establish an organization. Because we're called to reach the world. Now, I can try to reach the world by myself. Now, think about that. I'm going to reach the world by myself. How far do you think I can get by myself? Not very far. There's an old truth. If you want to go somewhere fast, go alone. But if you want to go somewhere far and long, you must go together. So I understand that principle. And, and so the fact that I belong to an organization who's across the globe gives me a platform to go anywhere in the world at any time to, to reach the world and fulfill. So there's power. There's, a, there's an authority under that anointing. Amen? Amen? Let me get back here. So you have the crowd, and again, he's taking them to school. He, he designates his 12 apostles, and he sends them out to preach, but he also gives them authority to drive out demons. Why would he give the apostles authority to drive out demons? Is it necessary? Do you think that is necessary today? Man, if you ain't, some of my, some of my family members got demons that got to be driven out. You know what I'm saying? Hey, there's some, some crazy stuff. The stuff they're doing nowadays is mind-boggling. The, the, the witchcraft that people are involved in, they said, okay, is mind-boggling. You have this new drug where, where people are eating their own face. What, what is that thing called? Huh? Chronic? Yeah, crocodile? Is that what they call it? Cro- crocodile? Wow, that's a trippy one. And then they, what's the other stuff? They have all this other stuff. How do you know all these names? I'm just kidding. <laughs> she, she's all pulling it out like this. See right here? No, no, no. no I'm just kidding. Huh? But normal, normal people don't act that way. There's, there's a spirit behind it. Amen? 
There's a spirit behind it. And what, what I'm trying to get at, he, he separates the 12. Why? Because he, the Holy Spirit is recruiting people. The, in fact, the Holy Spirit is recruiting you. Yeah. So he's not giving you all this information and understanding just so that you could be smart and walk around and act like you know things. We could care less what you know. Uh, the, the worst people to deal with who people that know too much. Well. They are the worst. I come, oh, I know all this. I, but what have you done? Who have you followed? What are you submitted to? Yeah. Oh, well, nothing. I just kind of like on my own. Well, go, go on with your bad stuff if you're on your own. Because we don't play that. No. We're called to a task. Uh, to reach the world for Jesus. We ha- and God has given us a method. And it's been successful for coming on 50 years. We went from a little church in East L.A. to 500 sites worldwide. Doing it the way the Lord has shown us. So either you like what we're doing, wonderful, you're welcome. If you don't, we can't help you, man. Because this is what we're called to do. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is recruiting you. Oh, so he's recruiting me. See, the Spirit of God speaking to the Spirit of man. Your spirit either responds or rejects to the Holy Spirit's call. And you got to understand, this is the difficult part. This, 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 and this was hard for me. It took me a little while to figure this out. The catch is here. God calls to the voice of a man. He, God doesn't call you and say, Michael. I separate thee unto me. No, that, 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 come on. No, let's, 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 let's be for real. That could happen, but it ain't going to happen to Victor Hours because we're going to laugh at you. <laughs> oh, God spoke to me in a laudable voice. Well, well that, that's like a, you know, we're, you know, look at that. Oh, man, you done took too much mescaline before or something. <laughs> don't give us that, Jack. We have our marching orders. God's called us. We're, I don't know who's talking to you. Right? See, God specifically for our ministry, uses God's man. At this moment, God's man is Pastor Sonny. Amen. Yes. And you know what? I couldn't be more pleased. I, I've not, you know, I, I feel sorry for some people. They go, oh, I've been to this church and this church. And I understand there's reasons for movement and, there, and there's a reason. There's good. And, but I don't, I, don't, I don't understand it because you know what? God called me here and I've been here for over 30 plus years. Never had another pastor until my pastor died, went on to be the Lord. And when he went on to be the Lord, Pastor Sonny said, you're, you're one of my guys. So that, that's all I know. Maybe I'm, I'm a spoiled brat in that respect. I don't know the other part, because I, I, but I've dealt with it, and I know how difficult it is, because then you've got to transition from one ideal of what God's call is to our ideal. Now, I'm not minimizing or saying that your idea was wrong or bad. No, it's just different. We are just a little different. And, and I think that's, that's what makes us good. We're not your ordinary church on the corner. Believe you me. You look at some of our elders and, and regionals and pastors, and you say, man, this, this place right here, these people right here are crazy. Right? They are. I'm thinking a couple of, I won't mention the names. <laughs> Amen? See, most often than not, people reject God's call based on their relationship with God's man. And that's, that's the tricky part. Because everybody wants to be king of their kingdom. And you can. You can be the, you can be the, the chief goldfish in your gold bowl, your little bowl. You are the, you're the king goldfish. In the, but if that little bowl is little, guess what? Biologically, a goldfish can only grow to the size of the tank. And if, you're go, if you're, it's you, yourself, and you, you're going to have this little goldfish, and you'll be the biggest fish in there. Probably the only fish in there. 
and you only grow to the size of that bowl. That's biologically a biological fact for animals. It's amazing how God put these things to, into existence. The same is true with you. Whatever bowl you fall into, it determines the size you can become. So when I look at that, I go, man, we're, we're, we got a big bowl. Our bowl is the world. So that, that means the potential I have, the potential you have, the potential you have is global. It's global. My, my, you know, I, I talk, my daughter will be here next week, and I'm just kind of blown away. And, and I go, wow, they're going to come back. They're getting trained to go somewhere, Africa, Australia. But, but, but the extension, listen, by extension, God has extended my ministry. Why? Because that's the potential in me. That's only one. I don't know what Anthony's going to do. You know, hopefully he stays here for at least to train a couple of keyboard players. But until then, he's staying here. Amen. <laughs> but the potential is global. Right? But if I was in a little tiny bowl, and it was just my church, just my church. Just imagine if I was an independent, supernatural, ghost of the Holy Ghost, most high church. Then where, where's, where's the potential for my kids? It's in this building. That's kind of boring. I get bored of me. I, you know, that long, I get bored of me. Right? Potential. The growth. See, and God, let me say it again, the Holy Spirit wants to take you to school. Amen. See, and then people are going to look at you and say, oh, there's something wrong with you people. Jesus had that problem. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. Verse 21, when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, his family. His family, mom, dad, brother, sister. For they said, talking about Jesus now, he is out of his mind. So when you talk big, imagine, and I, no, we're talking big, but we have, I have a little bit of proof. You know, you can go to the conference. Jesus had no proof. He had no no kind of credential. He had no kind of, of, of evidence other than what he spoke. And he's saying what? That he's going to take over the, this kingdom. He's got a new kingdom. And he's coming with all this big stuff. Now, if you were his brother or his mother, you'd probably say, oh, man, my kid, he's losing his mind. This, my, my kid is crazy. I, I, I birthed a crazy child. Let's go get him. That's the picture. Here's the family going to go get their crazy child who believes that they can take the world. <laughs> Sound familiar? Why do you think I get like this? Because the same thing that I went through, he went through. Because we do believe that. If Jesus said it, then it's got to be true. Amen. If it's not true and we don't do it, the only thing that can keep you from that potential is you. And then you'll use every excuse. What? You'll say, I'll do it, but let me first go take care of my father. I'll do it, but first, let me first finish my requirement here. Oh, I need to retire. Then I'll do anything for God. You could do all that, but who, th who do you think you are to put God on your schedule? So that same day he was in the house accused by, about being crazy uh, by the people, by his family. They also accused him of being a friend or allied with Beelzebub. He said, that's the devil. They called him a friend of the devil. That day, he was crazy by the people. He was an ally of the Satan, and his family thought he lost his mind. This is the day when he really lost his mind, when he told his family, you're not even my family. 
Can you imagine if your kid came to you one day and said, Mom, sorry, Mom, but you're not my family. Think about that. You're not my family. My family are those who do the will of God. See, me, I'd be happy. Because, well, then I'm in. But if I was her dad and I wasn't doing the will of God, it'd probably bum me out. So I look for the day when my daughter says and my son says, well, they do by their life. Now, my family are those who do the will of God. And I'm okay with that because I'm doing the will of God. Now, you see the friction? There's a friction created. Why? Because the Holy Spirit wants to separate you, wants to use you, but there'll be a friction created. And all you want to do is the right thing. Right? So he drew the line. He called the Pharisees wicked. He called the entire generation wicked. He stated that you are either for me or against me. After these events, Jesus went out to the lake and told him, began to speak in parables. Now he's got, think about that. He's got everybody mad at him, but there was a crowd following him. Like, wow, this guy's a trip. And they had large crowds following him, following, following him. And he told everybody else this stuff, and they were mad at him. He said, let's go to a lake. We're going to talk. See, the spirit, speaking to the spirit of man through parables, why did he do that? Because some people just don't need to know. Even in this room, I'm talking, I'm talking, and some people just don't want to hear it. Like, well, whatever, I don't, well, what are you talking about? What do you mean? My kids don't say that I'm not their parent. How dare you? You're the devil. See? I'm, I'm in the same group of Jesus. Now you can understand why they said he was of the devil. Because they felt just like many people feel today. You can't do that. That's terrible. That's why people say, what would Jesus do? I know what he would Jesus do. It's pretty heavy. See, in school, you have prerequisites. You know what a prerequisite is? Right? Before you go to algebra, you must take pre-algebra. Right? Before you attempt your bachelor's, you must have your associates, etc. Right? Jesus was teaching his disciples basic material. He goes, look, why? Because he was still there. He goes, I'm just giving you some insight because when I leave, you're on your own. When I leave, it's going to get worse. And when you look at the history of the apostles, the way they, what they went through, Peter being crucified upside down, other apostles being sawed in half. Hmm? See, because the crowds did not meet the prerequisites, he taught in parables. You know, I, I'm preaching, and, I, and sometimes I, you know, I, I know it's a little hard to understand or difficult. I don't know. But you should, you should see me in a discipleship class. I don't preach like that here. Why? Because you look at me like, whoa. The guys went with me to the, up to the mountain. I preach a little different, right? Why? Because it's a little different. Why? Because... <laughs> Either we're going to do what God called us to do, or we're not. That's it. Or we're not. There's no in-between. So, so it's like the school of pre-faith has to happen. And then he begins to talk, and that's what Jesus does. He talks about the parable of the farmer, right, scattering seed. And, it, and, he, and he actually describes four types of Christians that are here today. He says, some fell in the footpath, the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell in shallow soil and the under, uh, with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly, but because the, the soil was shallow, it died. This is Mark chapter 4. We're going to keep going. Then he said, other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked. 
Ah, because uh, the tender plants, because they couldn't produce no grain. And then lastly, others fell on fertile soil. And they sprouted up and grew and produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as they'd been planted. Then he said, anyone who has an ear, let him hear. And people didn't understand him. And what do you say? Look, there's four people. In, 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 when you talk about the gospel, when you share the message in a church like this, there's some that are shallow. You the seed, and it's, it's real, it sounds good, they receive it, but as soon as they walk out the door, it doesn't grow. Why? Because there's no, there's no soil, it's shallow. The seed sprouts, but it dies. Right? Seed falls on other soil. Oh, it's got a little bit of dirt, but underneath there's underlying rocks, rocks, other, other things. That, so it grows a little bit, but those other things underneath kill your roots. So you never establish roots, so you die. Others oh, fall. He said, birds of the fowl, follow the air, come and eat it. The birds that come into your mind, the mind, battlefield of your mind, that steal your calling, steal your joy, steal your love, steal everything that God has given to you. Why? Because the worries of the world, everything around you, and you miss it. But then there's this one. One out of four ain't bad. That's good soil. So if, if his, his status or analysis is correct, that means there's one, one out of four in here today that is good soil. Now I hope that we have more good soil than that. I would pray we do. We should. Because we know much more than they would ever uh, dear or, or wish to comprehend. We have it all. But nonetheless, we have so much given to us. We understand so much. We know so much. Yet, the seed has a hard time finding good soil. The Holy Spirit speaking to you now is trying to break through the rock of your heart. The Holy Spirit speaking to you now is trying to get off the footpath and get into your good soil. But will you let it? See, the thing about the Holy Spirit, he won't force himself in. You have to let him in. Let him in. Huh? Let him in. So ears to hear, you know about the baptism of fire, and Paulus was a very intelligent man. He said, we never heard of that. 